0: on many levels, but one of the things I do appreciate is just um, <clears throat> your willingness to uh, wrestle out life at a grassroots level so you're not afraid of actually um, uh, taking on some of these topics, which I think we naturally avoid because they make us uncomfortable. So I just commend you for that because I feel that there's so much about what the Lord is doing in this season right across his church, uh, I believe right across the denominations, but particularly because we are of the Vineyard Tribe, I feel like the Lord is drawing us in every sphere of our life, um, drawing us back to that place of uh, truth and reality. And so it's what we're all on, this journey, every one of us. And I think he's peeling back layers where we maybe presumed, (coughs) well, I got this area, Or I understand this area, and I'm cool here, and maybe over here I'm not doing so. But I just feel like the Lord is saying, no, actually, we're rethinking the whole thing. I'm calling you back to this place of transparency and honesty and truth. And that impacts how we walk with one another. It impacts how we walk in community, in our little local communities. It impacts how we walk in um, provinces, regions, impacts how we walk as a national family, and impacts how we walk as an international family. And what's fascinating to me in the in the places where we have been in these last months, we've seen this very thing at work. And when you see it practiced, it's almost like the ripple effect. When we begin to practice it, first of all, in our own life, and then in the way that we interact in, in our little communities, and allow those ripples to expand, when it hits the kind of international thing, It's so beautiful because it's speaking of a natural outflow of what the Lord's doing in our individual lives. So just one little highlight. um, In the global event where the global vineyard family met just a few weeks ago in Ohio, um, there was one poignant moment uh, among many, but there was a man who stood up and spoke unexpectedly on one of the um, mornings um, uh, African-American man who shared from his heart um, about some things that he felt the Lord had put on his heart but what it seemed to do for me is, it was just the truth factor it was this thing of being able to speak truthfully um, uh, to a wide group of people and the impact of it was like the Lord opened up places in all of our hearts and said, I want you to look at this. You look at this. This is what I'm putting my finger on right now in all of you. And then as a result of this man's obedience and being willing to actually share from this vulnerable real place of, of truth and not covering or pretending something is when it's not... Um, it allowed for incredible truth right across the board, and people went up on stage and owned injustice issues in their people um, from different countries in a way that it wasn't a token reconciliation meeting where everybody's, oh, yes, we love each other. We're... It was so much deeper because it was about this whole journey that we're all on Which is why I'm excited about what we're doing this morning because I think it is, again, the Lord saying, but it starts right here on an individual basis, being willing to wrestle out. What does it mean to walk without lying? And it's so much more than just telling an overt lie. It's about a way of thinking and a way of practicing life that, um, that cushions us so that we don't have to face certain things. So I just think it's a great... Uh, discussion. I'm really pleased with your willingness to go there. Stay. Stay. Yeah. All right. So, Father, thank you for both uh, David and Anita today. Thank you for the privilege we have uh, to be led by them at a national level and for the wisdom that you've um, built into their lives, into their hearts over the years, and integrity. Lord, we give this time to you and um, pray that it would honor you and that you would help us to respond in our hearts to what you're saying to us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Go for
1: it. Great. It is really, uh, really great. To- How awesome is it to be married to, to someone like that? I mean, can-, can you like just, yes, it's like, so we- we've been married, uh, our anniversary was July 21st, and we've been married 31 years. So, we come from a, no, I was going to say, no, I won't say that, my wife's less. I was going to say we actually look this good, we got married at 12, but it uh, was like, it uh, was legal where we came from, no, I'm just kidding. Oh yeah, learning to live without lying, I am demonstrating the, I am the anti-anointing, like if, if there's, um, so it is re- uh, really great to be here. I just so desperately don't want to let go of this coffee. I was going to like. I, was gonna, oh, I can do it like this. I was going to just sit, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand. Is that all right? Um, it is great to be here. We've been here with your community a few different times over the years, but this is the first time in this place. This is pretty cool. Um, actually, I really like it. Is it Anglican? Yeah, Anglican. I don't know if you know architecturally, uh, you can tell an Anglican church most times because uh, they use a wood, wooden ceiling. If you go all over Europe, uh, UK, different parts of the world, Anglican communities will predominantly uh, use, the, use the wood, which I think is kind of cool, kind of sets it apart from, man, look at you. This is like, wow, I feel like I'm set up here. but uh, So it is, um, it is really great to be here, um, and this topic is very, very interesting. Uh, I'm going to, if you have a, access to the biblical text, I'm not sure if we can throw it up on the back there, i um, going to jump into John chapter 4, which is, is not, those of you that have been reading uh, the series uh, that, that you've been, we've kind of been using each chapter is kind of jumping us off into a various topic, obviously today is learning to live without lying. Um, this text doesn't show up in the chapter, but I couldn't, I couldn't shake it, so I thought we'll go there today because it's kind of a kind of. Hopefully, when we get there, you'll you'll see why uh, I might be giving a little bit of reflection out of that text. But did any of you read the chapter yet? Yeah. Okay, a few of you. My my kind of gut summation of uh, where this was at was maybe learning to live without lying, let's kind of take one step back and just go, why Why would we live as liars? I know it's kind of like an in-your-face kind of comment, but most of us at some level have discovered in at least one or two areas of our life how to, how to not let on what's really going on. Does that make sense? That's kind of lying. Um, maybe another way to define lying would be uh, this this concept of, of deception, uh, which is a little trickier, right? But that's basically at the essence of, of what it means to be lying. You just, and you can find all kinds of good reasons to lie, uh, but as I sort of drilled down and, and let the chapter percolate a little bit, I must confess I didn't read it word, like for word, kind of scanned and then got my wife, who's a speed reader, to kind of do it as well and kind of give me her little shots of, of what she was seeing. But where it was coming down to, um, we move into a posture of, of deceiving other people or, I think if we're really brutally honest, a lot of times we even end up deceiving ourselves, right? Like for me, I think I'm really tall. Like, like, I just, I, I, I am. And I even at certain times wonder if, if this is the glorified body. Like, this is what you're all, this is what all you're destined to become for all eternity. Like, you know, the now and the not yet. Those of you that are familiar, like, like this is the now. The rest of you are the not yet. Where, like, you'll, you'll, you'll get there. I'm just kidding. But it's like, you kind of live in these sort of spaces of even self-deception to kind of keep life going. Uh, does, that, does that make sense? Does that ring true to anybody? So we don't need to deceive others. We deceive ourselves. It's a kind of a crazy exchange that we can actually end up doing as well where we think in some ways we can actually deceive God. And if we're kind of scarily honest and peel back the layers of that, that probably is at the heart of a lot of religious activity is trying to come up with answers, or systems, or rhythms of behavior, or of engagement, even in well-meaning spiritual disciplines, but the kind of the underlying end game is, is a little bit of a deception. We're, we're, we're trying to make something happen, or become something, which is this very disarming thing, for me at least, of the teachings, and life, and encounter with the living Jesus Christ, is he kind of disarms all of that and the the starting place of this spiritual journey as a follower of jesus is from an absolute place of vulnerability and transparency and a complete admission like i'm you know i i have a lot of buddhist friends i i uh, have interacted with with some buddhist instructors over the years particularly when we lived in los angeles um for about 11 years But I've, you know, I'm at a place of resolve intellectually, but also uh, spiritually for many different reasons. But I'm not a Buddhist for for the reason that I don't believe Um, there is, I believe there is good in me because of the image of God. But I don't believe I have the capacity, I believe I'm broken enough that I need the cross of Jesus Christ. Does, Does that kind of make sense? So the whole beginning place of, of a journey of becoming a follower of Jesus, um, whether we realize it or not, and the crazy thing is a lot of times the beauty and grace of following Jesus is the further along you go in this journey, you realize more and more and more how much you didn't know and how much you realize you had no idea what you were saying yes to when you surrendered your life to him. Does that kind of ring true? But the reality is this: whether we realize it or not, the, this whole trajectory of faith, um, as followers of Jesus Christ, is based on in uh, grace, an, an absolute space, decision, intentionality. Uh, sometimes it's very emotional. Sometimes it's very intellectual. It can come in all sorts of different ways. Sometimes it's out of an incredible place of desperation when. An, an aspect of addictions or something has driven us right to the end of ourselves. Or, or it can be a place of incredible revelation where, you know, maybe things are actually not that bad in a sense. But that, that sort of resonating hunger and recognition of a hollowness um, causes us to, to turn our lives to Jesus. However, we've come. There is that moment of surrender. There is that moment of absolute trust. Where you go, I can't hide anymore. I just can't hide anymore, and I think the whole trajectory. I love. I love this title, "Learning to Live Without Lying." I think is is a constant, lifelong thing. Um, The chapter, at least as I understood it, in 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 the what is the book again? The beautiful, uh, beautiful life. Beautiful life. Yes. is we, we come into this space of deception for a couple of reasons. One is we think we need we won't survive if we don't go there. Whether that's evasion of, of taxes. You know, I just won't be able to make ends meet. Like, I, j- I just, you know, and we can find a little space of gray, a little space of deception, a little space of whatever. We, we kind of find that zone because Or, or it sh- it's just going to all be over. I can't really share with my spouse or my close friends or my community kind of the level of pain or angst or doubt or questions or struggle or, you know, whatever it is. Or I'm going to lose everything, right? I can't go various and sundry places uh, in an absolute place of, of, of vulnerability. I would propose to you, this is just a little thought kind of in the, in the train of thought here, transparency and vulnerability are two different things and if we're not careful we can learn a level of transparency that gives the appearance of unveiling all but we're actually not going to the place of vulnerability which comes from the old latin which means to be wounded vulnerability woundability And so even when we're opening up (laughs) and we can come across as so transparent, there is a level of transparency, but the call to learn to live without lying is to go to this absolute place of abandonment where we're willing to be exposed, we're willing to be even wounded in that journey, but know that there's no other place but life. But we can convince ourselves that we don't actually need that. What we need is protection. We need that... um, so the second thing that that the beautiful life I think really points us to, and then we'll jump to John chapter four, uh, etc. So we think we need it, and then it's kind of a similar thing. We use deception to avoid something. We don't want to go there. You're just you're not going to go there, are you? Like you know, there's no way I'm going to open that up. Which again isn't only sort of clumsy painful things in our life experience it it bleeds into faith it bleeds into career it it bleeds into job it it bleeds into all kinds of things and it's amazing how deception then can be really the engine that is driving a lot of our life Uh, one of my most poignant memories of the community we were a part of in Hollywood for some years we planted a vineyard community down there we're now uh, obviously back in Canada and in Kelowna um, was our first baptism service. We, we uh, had this big tub like in the center of the place. It was kind of a double, double-tiered double meeting space. And the first gal down into the water was a supermodel from Australia, just a beautiful girl named Cherie. But she's standing in front of our community, absolutely sobbing and in tears for, uh, and just sharing with us how the, her life's journey, she just, and she was still struggling with it, Uh, even stepping towards the waters of baptism, of how ugly she felt. And what drove her to the top, I mean the top tier, it's a very small percentile of human beings on the planet that get to the level of modeling that she was at. What drove her to that place was out of a sense of her own ugliness. That's why she was driven to the top of an industry built on beauty, or a a version of beauty, which can be quite ugly, obviously. Does, Does that make sense? And so it was so strange, what you see is not what you got. <laughs> And when she chose to go to this place of absolute vulnerability, in fact, I think she stepped away from a career. We had another gal uh, in our community in the modeling world that had just come to an absolute point of crisis, sweet girl named uh, Kim Biddle, who's actually now uh, developed an organization called Saving Innocence, and she's given her whole life to releasing kids out of the sex trade and stuff, not internationally, but on U.S. soil, uh, domestic uh, human trafficking in the United States of America. I'm not sure about the Canadian stats, But on U.S. soil, that's the number one growing crime in America. Because they've kind of uh, clamped down so hard on drugs and, you know, that sort of a thing. Of course, there's still a lot of drug dealing and and drug abuse and stuff. But it's way easier to move into sex trafficking with young men and women uh, because the laws haven't caught up yet. It's easier to be released uh, in the court systems in the United States as a a young girl from Thailand or, or other parts of the world than it is to be a young boy uh, in the United States of America, because you're you're arrested as a prostitute, yeah, my, even at even in minor, isn't that kind of weird? Yeah, they're working on changing that, but they're they're engaged in this thing. Uh. But anyway, and another person that just kind of <laughs> was driven in a certain, you know, it's kind of deceptions. Interesting, isn't it? It bleeds into. So many areas of our life, which I think is in The Beautiful Life, if if you get a chance to read it through and just kind of grind down into that chapter. I think one of the things they really masterfully do in the book is is help us really see how subtle deception gets into so many areas of our life and living. Because we think we need it to survive or we're just too scared to go where truth and honesty really will take us. But here's the good news. Here's the message of Jesus. You can go there. You can go there because he goes there with us. And this is his whole life message to us in some ways. The beauty of Jesus for me, and it's becoming more and more real. I think the more we disengage from a life of deception, even within Christian community is where we begin to realize where we think it's all about escaping, Jesus keeps showing us again and again and lives it out, even in his resurrected state, where it's all about going in even deeper, even deeper into the human story, into the human condition. This is the powerful uh, term that we use in, in theology called incarnation. You're familiar with that word? I'm you can just tell by your community, you probably talk about that a lot. What does it mean to be incarnational? What does it mean? What does it actually mean to go deeper into what it means to be human? Isn't that amazing? Spirituality is actually be- about becoming more human. Isn't that a- That's amazing to me. It's not about finding the big escape hatch or the silver bullet or the little button or the worship CD or the conference or the teaching or the set of you know, instructions or something that's just going to solve everything. In fact, it's sometimes the invitation deeper even into mystery and questions, but you, you, you must become more transparent and vulnerable or you can't go there. Does that make sense? I was at a gathering a few months ago, It's actually hosted by Vineyard Communities, Gotta get you down there, for sure. Um, it's called the Society of Vineyard Scholars. A dear friend of mine, Caleb Maskell, who's just about completed his dissertation now in, in doctoral studies in history. Uh, Cornell West is his uh, advisor. And uh, he's facilitated a, a space in the vineyards. I think Gordy's been down there, uh, society. Yeah, now, I know this is a total rabbit trail. This is the craziest church. I love this church so much. Like, who else is like on sabbatical and you just, you come to your own church when you're on sabbatical. Like, that. that is awesome. I know you're getting to the end of it, but I think that's like great. Most pastors are like, man, I'm going on sabbatical, I'm, st- I'm just like staying away, like I'm getting away from my community, but here you guys are. I think that's amazing. Anyway, it's great to see Gordy and Kathleen here. Yeah, give them a cheer, that'd be great. But this whole uh, Society of your Scholars, I don't know if you're familiar with the name, uh, Voss, Stanley Hauervoss, who's a, a, quite a significant theologian uh, in the North American scene and known internationally, he actually ended up on the cover of Time magazine eons ago, he's quite an old crusty codger right now, but he got up and uh, just a brilliant, brilliant theologian, he's got all this knowledge, everything, we're in this one session where you, know, you, you kind of grind down and get into a lot of questions and uh, interaction and someone grabbed the microphone and and asked this question about, you know, if you could just summarize, it's kind of like a Jesus question, if you could sum up the law and the prophets, you know, what would it be sort of a thing, and, and uh, Howard Voss just kind of stood there for a minute, this old seasoned, grizzled theologian who's been knocked around in the life of the church for decades, and was uh, just an amazing man, advocate of justice, has a clear, deep understanding of the work of Jesus Christ in, in regards to liberation and freedom in, in, in a way that uh, I haven't heard from, from a lot of people. And they said, you know, if you could just, you know, what would be the key, like as we pursue justice, we pursue community, we all this stuff, and he just kind of thought, and he just gave this simple little answer that just rocked the whole room, and I've been thinking about it ever since, and it was interesting, landed on this topic today. He just looked at everybody, and he said, don't lie <laughs> that was it that was his summation of what it means to follow jesus into community into our neighborhoods into social engagement into learning life together into discipleship into wrestling with the biblical text into you know all all the various Ways that our faith expresses itself, impacting our lives, raising our children, you know, engaged with our spouses. How do we walk in close relationship? How would you sum it up, Howard Voss? And he just goes, don't lie. Don't lie. So, Holy Spirit, I'm just going to just go a couple more minutes, but just grab us right now. Just hold our... Attention just for a moment here. Jesus called you the spirit of truth and that you would lead us and guide us into truth. What's that mean? What's it mean for my mind? What's it mean for. My body? What does it mean for my relationships? What does it mean for my children, my friends? What does it mean for this neighborhood? What's it mean for East Van, Lord? What's it look like to be led into truth? How do we be a community that doesn't lie? How do we engage with our worship? How is our, what's our liturgy look like? What's our, what's it look like to have no deception in that? Would you cleanse us, Lord, in our family systems where deception has, has been the modus operandi and that's how we've survived all these years through our dysfunction and various things. Lord, in, our, in the rhythms of even our, our church life, and in the vineyard, Lord, where, where we've run on deception and quick answers or easy solutions because we thought we needed to. We just had to hold the thing together. Lord, would you lift up the carpet where we've got these hooks of addiction in, in